What's up, everyone, and welcome to Raise the Geek, your destination for the biggest geek news and reactions in movies, TV, comics, and gaming. This week, Let's Talk Something is Killing the Children. We share our thoughts on the first four arcs as we eagerly anticipate the book's return with issue number 21. And we're going to give you our first impressions of the Guardians of the Galaxy video game. But first, as always, by we, I mean Chris. And Don. Let's go. And we're back. Welcome back to the Raised a Geek Show. I'm Chris, and as always, I'm here with my buddy Don. How we doing, man? Chris, what is up today, my friend? I'm doing all right. Everything's okay. No complaints as usual. Just uh, ready to do this with you, man. Just and enjoying the weekend, having some fun, getting ready for some uh, some football tomorrow. And went to the comic shop today. Nice little weekend errands. Yeah. I don't know. Just doing okay. How are you? Eh, not too bad. Not too bad. Same, same. I got the the Royal Rumble tonight, so we'll see if I watch oh. that. And then uh, I th- I don't think they wanted to compete with football, so they moved it to Saturday, which is really weird. So I was gonna say, isn't uh, aren't pay per views uh, traditionally on Sundays wrestling pay per views? Yeah, usually. Yeah, right. And now in WWE, they're not. Oh, what did I wish I could remember what they call them? They don't call them pay per views anymore. They call them like deluxe special events or something stupid oh boy even though you're still paying to view them so they're still pay-per-view you still have to be subscribed to peacock (laughs) to watch them but yeah whatever it's all stupid and who knows how far i'll even get but yeah i'm I'm more pumped for the uh championship games tomorrow see who's going to the super bowl see if tom brady's really going to retire as all the rumors just exploded about about 20 minutes ago yeah i saw that and it's coming from Schefter and all those like insider guys so i think it's legit uh which is crazy not even crazy because he is like 44 but at the same time it's like you don't imagine the nfl without tom brady because he's been there for 20 years like almost our our entire adult lives so it's gonna be like at a weird passing of the torch like he's an icon no matter what you feel about tom brady love him or hate him you gotta admit like respect the dude and what he's done uh so it'll be weird to have the nfl without him yeah it's like pulling the simpsons off tv I don't necessarily watch <laughs> yeah. it anymore, but it'd be weird if it's not there. <laughs> it's true. That's exactly what it. That's exactly what it is. It's exactly. I mean, Tom Brady and the Simpsons. You can compare those two, right? Yeah, for sure. I know Ben Roethlisberger is sitting there right now. He wanted this like to be his. He wanted to, like he was in the spotlight for about three days. Like, let's look at Ben Roethlisberger's career. Like, wait, hold up, Tom Brady's retiring. Who the <laughs> hell cares about Ben Roethlisberger anymore? <laughs> yeah does it suck that you that like he's getting it leaked instead of let allowing him to announce it doesn't that kind of suck yeah whenever big stuff happens with names that big though it's like if somebody gets a hold of it they can't hold it it's like the journalism thing where i gotta be first the first has i have to be the first one with it before you know know. one of those things so yeah it's kind of sucks for him but i bet you he expected something like that I mean, it is what it is. I'm sure there's tons of stuff in his career that he wasn't able to do on his terms. So why not end it that way? There you go. So super pumped weekend, ready for some uh, football coming up tomorrow. But we are recording today and we got lots to talk about. But Don, there was news that broke this week that The Rock is making his third video game movie. But he was not allowed to say yet, but he did say as I lost the uh, news story. So I'm going to make it up here real quick. Got lost in my tabs, but improvise, improvise. Yeah, he basically was saying something along the lines of it was a franchise that he's been playing for years and they're going to do it justice. And it's going to be a a big, big ass action movie that they're going to have a lot of fun with. So um, and that's don't quote me on that, but. He couldn't announce what the franchise was. Now we know he did Rampage, Jesus. He did Rampage, and I was trying to be fancy there. Rampage. Rampage. He did Rampage, and he did, uh, of course, he did Doom, Mm -hmm. my wife's favorite movie of all time. Shout out to her. Is that that. sarcasm? No, that's really not. I'm pretty sure, (laughs) because I was talking about... uh, she she read an article today that she was complaining about because the title of it was Rosamund Pike's most embarrassing movie. So she uh-huh. clicked on it. And then, of course, it talked about Doom and it talked about how um, 
it wasn't her most embarrassed movie, but she all she said was she did an interview and she said that she was so new to acting at that time that she didn't like realize how important that that movie really would be to the fans. And at that time, there weren't really the internet at the same way that it is. So she just really didn't know. So she just kind of went in and did her thing where she said, if I did something like that today, I would do research into the franchise and the history and try to do it more justice. So that's what she's embarrassed of, not the movie. But the title made it seem like, oh, I hate Doom. And you're just like, well, that's not what she said, clickbait. But and my wife loves Doom, you jerks. That's what she said. That's, back that's when, what she does. Back so, when Dwayne Johnson had hair. We got to go back a ways for that one. Yeah, I think it was like his third movie or something. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But anyway, he's making, a, he's making another one after that, that weird sidebar that I just took. But what, uh, what do you think <laughs> that could be, man? Just wild speculation. I mean, is he going to be, you know, Kirby from, you know, Nintendo or? That would be hilarious. Uh, <laughs> Is it gonna be Ash Ketchum? Put a, put the hat on him. Um, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> gotta catch them all. Gotta catch them all. Um, I, man, I don't know. It's hard. It's hard to because there's so many games it could be. Yeah. So it's like hard to speculate. But something in my brain is just telling me that it's gonna be Fortnite, and I don't want it to be because <laughs> I don't know Fortnite. But it's just like feel like they're maybe ready to capitalize on that popularity that everybody knows what a Fortnite is. Everybody knows. And like the way he kind of said it, a game I've been playing for years, I don't picture Dwayne Johnson as like really a avid gamer. So I can't see him playing like uh Castlevania or yeah. something. Oh, you know what I mean? Just like yeah. a game. I don't know. Like Plus, plus I be, he's been like in Fortnite already exactly he so he's already got like the deal with them he's like here's the Fortnite movie starring dwayne johnson i could totally see that happening and being announced because the dude is just all about money he wants to make you know billion dollar blockbuster movies a Fortnite live action movie would be that so i'm hoping it's not but uh, just something in my brain is like yeah it's Fortnite. <laughs> can you imagine a situation in which you watch that no never absolutely like, not i can't imagine what that would look like I mean, even we talked last week about a little bit about Black Adam and stuff and how I like I like Dwayne Johnson. I like The Rock. He's like one of my favorite wrestlers of all time. I like him as a public figure. And like, I just am never excited about his movies. So that would be even less like prevalent if it's a Fortnite movie, a game I know nothing about and I'm not interested in. So, no, I don't I wouldn't see myself like ever rushing out to see that at all. Um, so I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. What do you what do you do you have any speculation theories, maybe? Well, I'm sure you're right. So yeah. I don't know if this even matters because now it's just <laughs> getting myself excited. But I mean, I would love to see him when I was looking through some speculation. I would love to see him as uh, Kratos and do a God of War movie mm -hmm. and let The Rock kind of hit that R rating and just rip some people apart. And just that newest one that they did. I know you didn't really play through it, but the story was so good. And if they can bring that to the screen and have just Kratos and even do the father thing and the little bit older Kratos and really kind of tell a, just a badass mythology story with the rock. I mean, he could physically pull off the part. I think without trying, he'd have to lower his voice a couple uh, right. decibels, you know, and get that growl. But I think, you know, harken off, you know, dust off that Hercules workout and whatever else he was doing when, cause I forgot he was in a Hercules movie. Yeah. Yeah. But I think that would be a badass one. Looking like the Scorpion King again or something. Yeah, there you uh, go. He yeah, on that one too. He did. He definitely could pull it off. He could pull off Kratos. If anybody could, it's like him, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so that one would not surprise me. The only thing is like, it's so, it's so tied and close to like Norse mythology and Greek mythology. And they, they already had like Thor's in that game, isn't he? And uh, yeah. uh, all those gods. And it's like, well, we already got Thor coming up with Marvel. Do they like want to do that and be confused with? I don't know. I mean, yeah, they would have to, they would definitely not be able to. They, they wouldn't be wise to do the, like say, because the original games were all Greek mythology. So you could mm -hmm. kind of separate. Yeah. If they went to do like the new one and they brought all the Norse stuff in there. Yeah. You have Loki and Thor. They I mean, that would wouldn't be wise to do. I don't think so either. No, but um, you can. People already know they're Hollywood Thor. Yeah, people already know they're Hollywood Thor and Loki. They're not. I don't think people would be ready to accept another 
franchise featuring a Thor and a Loki and an Odin and all that. You know what I mean? So no, but you go Greek. You know, I'd be I'm I'd be fine with another Zeus on screen or another. Uh, Is uh, Zeus going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger? <laughs> like like, <laughs> like he's tweeting out uh, that picture. I just told you about it before we recorded. Yeah, yeah. Arnold Maybe. Schwarzenegger tweeting <laughs> tweeting out a picture of himself as Zeus, and it says February 2022, which got has people on Twitter all super excited. But it's like it can't be for a movie. This is already Jan. It's already almost February 22. There's no way that there's a Zeus movie coming out next month that we've never heard anything about. So I suspect it's like a Super Bowl commercial. That um, makes sense. But it could be a teaser for a teaser to a teaser i mean we get trailers yeah. to trailers now so why not a teaser to a trailer or an announcement what if yeah, they announce god of that War is possible month? that is possible that, that i could see that happening too i just for some reason think it's a super bowl commercial it's the but... same thing they did last year or two years ago with the die hard thing where they were tweeting out all this exactly. about john mcclain coming back and then it was a super bowl commercial and you're just like oh well that was okay yeah. but i want <laughs> right. one more die hard exactly i could Which, i don't know not we'll everybody see. either way we'll more. either way we'll know next month what that means but we'll know next funny. week next week it's already next week. <laughs> it's true. we'll know next week that announcement better happen next week <laughs> uh, but don yes we got tons to talk about so let's get to it but oh first, yeah we want to make sure that you don't miss an episode so you want to make sure you right now you like subscribe follow this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts wherever you social media find us on it we're probably there if not let us know and we'll be there but i know we are on twitter so hit us up on twitter at raise the geek shoot us an email at raise the geek at gmail.com and join the conversation hit us up with some reviews hit us up with all those likes and tell your friends about the show let's get out there 2022 is our year so this is the new year. We're ready. Let's do it. Three words. Google them. Raised a geek. We're out there. <laughs> Find us. Now it's time for us to talk about something is killing the children. I'm so pumped up. But before we do, we want you to know this episode is sponsored by Anchor.fm. All right. Let's talk something is killing the children. It is a Boom Studios comic book. For those that don't know, I'm going to give you a quick thing so you can be ready for this conversation, but we are going to do spoilers. So if it's a book that you've always seen on your shelves and was kind of always thinking about or wanting to pick up the trades like I did, you might want to wait until you read it. But if not, stay here, have some fun with us. But Something is Killing a Children, as I said, is a Boom Studios comic. It was originally announced as a five-issue limited series by Boom Studios, but because of overwhelming early support by retailers and fans, before the first issue dropped, it turned into an ongoing series, which is kind of rare and kind of awesome. So I had mm-hmm. a, lot of, a lot of excitement coming around this uh, story. It is written by and created by James Tinian IV and uh, art done by Werther Del Adera. I should have looked at that a couple a little harder before. <laughs> yeah, he's Del Adera, I think, is the right pronunciation. Del Adera. Deladero, you know, you were right the first time. I was right. I got it. I got it. So a quick synopsis of this book. When the children of Archer's Peak begin to go missing, everything seems hopeless. Most children never return, but the ones that do have terrible stories, impossible stories of terrifying creatures that live in the shadows. Their only hope of finding and eliminating the threat is the arrival of a mysterious stranger, one who believes the children and claims to see what they can see. Her name is Erica Slaughter. She kills monsters. That's all she does. And she bears the cost because it must be done. It must be done. Must be done. Um, Which is just badass synopsis. So basically kids can see monsters. Adults can't. Erica Slaughter is here to slaughter them. And that's like your book (laughs) right there. And I mean, how is that not awesome? (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how that's not. It couldn't be awesome. How could anybody not be interested in that? uh, That story, especially. If you're a fan of anything like horror tinged, I mean, that that right there has to get you excited a little bit. Um, yeah, man, something is killing the children. I've been reading this since issue number one. Um, and if you've listened to this podcast, you've heard me talk about it a couple of times. Uh, but I'm glad you finally read it, too, so we could talk about it together. Um, yeah, man. It's, it made it's our, a, wasn't it? I know it's only been a couple of weeks, but wasn't it one of our favorite of the year? 
It was. It was. It was. A, it was the one we agreed on the yeah. most. Um, even though I think it's been coming since 2019. So, but it's it's you know a fantastic book. I think just all together, uh, possibly my favorite book coming out right now. That's not like a superhero comic, uh, which I do read my fair share of those mm-hmm. as well. Like you know, Image, Boom, IDW, they all put out great books, and uh, this is Boom. But uh, yeah, man. I just love this book from the art to the, to the writing, to the mood. Um, I like the, that it's got some, you know, some tight, succinct dialogue. That is something that always is important to me in yeah, reading yeah. comics. Uh, just like not, not, fe- not turning the page and, and feeling overwhelmed by the amount of word bubbles. And like this book, a lot of times just lets the atmosphere and the mood kind of speak for itself. And it's just like quick flipping. I mean, I must really like this book because I just reread these 20 issues in the last 48 hours, yeah. which is ra- which is rare. Usually something I can't do, uh, like would seem like a daunting task to do for any other book. But I did it <laughs> quickly and enjoyed every second of it. So, yeah, uh, just like overall initial initial impression, like thought of the series is it's fantastic. Love it. I would recommend it to anybody. Fans of horror, action, um, great art just all those things yeah so the stranger things crowd you know it's not as like goofy as stranger things but it has a lot of that you know the kids kind of running around the young cast of characters that are kind of trying to solve this mystery and fight these monsters and do that and that's always fun you know goonie style and you can you know that they're coming up on scavenger hunts and you know trying to unsolve Mm -hmm. solve unsolved mysteries they're trying to unsolve mysteries uh solve some mysteries (laughs) and really find some clues and do some stuff so it's it's got that it's just fun even though it takes itself extremely serious so it's not like it jokes on itself but right it still finds a way for the topic the heavy material to be fun Mm -hmm. in a way and it is like the most fun i have reading a book that is coming out now i just i'm super pumped for it to return right now they do have 20 issues out four volumes in trades um, and they just started the spinoff House of Slaughter, which just dropped its fourth issue this week. Um, and also written by James Tinian. Yeah. So, and, you know, it's got that uh, nice flow with it. There's not a different writer to make it feel different. It's like the same world. Yeah. And it picked and it was a they really did it perfectly coming off of this fourth arc um, to then mm-hmm. jump into House of Slaughter. You can really tell it was kind of like one of those backdoor pilots that they do on yeah. TV where you're sitting there and you're like, why am I watching Dwight Trude on a farm? Oh, because they want me to watch his show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. This makes sense. Um, and that's really what almost that whole fourth arc was because it was setting up all the characters for House of Slaughter, which I, I don't mind. Um, and then something killing the children episode or issue 21 is coming out later in March. So here in a few weeks, you all have a month to uh, jump in and check out these trades if you haven't read it yet and you're still listening to us. Yeah, we haven't spoiled anything yet. This, this has been spoiler free so far. So if you like the way this sounds, you still definitely have time to hop on in there. Uh, you probably want to pause us moving forward. But um, yeah, dude, I, so uh, we sound like we're in agreement here that we both love this book. Oh, yeah. Um, I only have one negative. OK, well, I'm sure we'll, we'll definitely get to that. <laughs> uh, I do want to mention like James Tinian right off the bat. Um, the guy who got me to quit reading Batman. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was going to bring up. <laughs> he I knew I first knew of him as like kind of a Scott Snyder disciple, like kind of like a, a guy Scott Snyder more or less introduced, because when Snyder was writing Batman, there'd be, you know, little side books where Tinian might write it and Scott Snyder would introduce him like, Oh, this guy's an up and comer and in the industry and this is whatever. So I read a couple issues with him and I was like, Oh, they're, they're okay. He's kind of similar to Scott Snyder. You can tell why they're like buddies and friends and, and have worked together. Um, But then, so Snyder quit writing Batman and I love that arc and following up Snyder was Tom King. And then I loved that whole run. So I was like heavy into Batman, but then when, you know, DC and Tom King and their whole thing came to a weird ending, uh, Tinian came on as the new Batman writer. I was like, oh, okay, this is, this is fine. I mean, I've read a couple Batman issues from him. He's a Snyder guy, makes sense. Uh, it's, it's kind of like a safe hiring, whatever. Um, yeah, man. But then I started reading his arc and I did not love it. And you're this, I think you're pretty much the same. Um, I love Batman and I love reading Batman books, but just, something about that run just didn't flow right to me. Like I know every writer has to do their, 
their Joker. They all want to have their Joker story. And he, he's kind of started with one and it just didn't land for me. And, um, you know, he introduced a new character, which I can't even remember the name of, uh, the character he introduced now, but it was like an old, an old classmate of Bruce Wayne's who like turns out to be a vigilante too, who thinks Batman should kill. Anyway, every Batman writer wants to kind of introduce their own characters. And I don't know something about his character villains. Was it called like the ghost maker or something? Yeah, I think it was ghost maker, but then he also was bringing punchline in, which was supposed to be a big deal that I think uh, floundered. And I know, and what was the, that kid's name clown killer or. Yeah. So he had, he had quite a few uh, created, created characters that he did and none of them really landed for me man and i was kind of upset but the thing is i was reading something as killing the children simultaneously as that and i was like how is this so like i'm enjoying this so much and not liking batman yeah and i've come kind of come to the conclusion that i think james tinian is a little more suited for um creator owned original stuff I don't, you know, we never know what goes on behind the scenes at DC or, or Marvel, yeah. like mandates where they kind of make you do certain things. And maybe he's just not that kind of writer, man, because the stuff he's doing and something killing the children is great and fantastic. And so, I mean, I, I also read somewhere that DC offered him a contract to continue writing Batman for like three more years, like lock him in. And he said no. And uh, kind of wanted to focus on this stuff on his creator owned and like went off to start his own newsletter uh, like that has comics in it. And he's kind of like off the Twitter grid now. So he's kind of just like ensconced in his world of doing his own thing, indie stuff, creator own stuff. And I think it's probably the best decision for him because this book is great. I mean, Um, why wouldn't you, if you had that opportunity to, you know, do what you're told or do what you want to do. I mean, especially Uh when this is taken off, you know, this, he's going to live off of this for, Right. You know, I mean, he's if this he keeps milking this the way that he seems like he's headed. I mean, he's going to he's going to be set for a while. It's going to be like Todd McFarlane and Spawn. Right. And he has another book out that I haven't read called like Department of Truth, which people love a lot. They say it's like a kind of comic book X-Files kind of thing. People seem to people seem to really love that. So, yeah, if he's found his little niche here with his creator own stuff. More power to him if he can make a living, which I guess at the end of the day is what it's all about uh you know more power to him just keep writing something is killing the children and we'll be great yeah i'm I'm down with that yeah i was a little nervous when i realized who wrote this one because like i said i did about i still did a ton of those batman because he came in in what 80 something like or 86 86 and i, I think, think i made 85. it to like 114 before i just couldn't do it anymore um, I kept trying to get through, let me get through this, this arc. Let me get through this arc. Let me get through this arc. Nope. I'm just not digging it. So yeah. Had yeah to- well, we fall in the same boat there. Same boat. So before we continue this love fest that we're currently having with this uh, series and creator and everything else, I'm going to throw a little bit of just one of my negatives that I have about this book. And I don't know if it's just the trades or if it's the same way for you, but I find myself reading it wrong all the time because they like to have the boxes overlap the crease. Mm. So you're reading across like both pages instead of just like one page and then the next page. But I don't always see like, it's always because of the trade. It's sometimes like, it's just like a corner of a box. So it doesn't look like I'm supposed to like keep reading all the way across to the second page. So then I'll read like the whole left page and I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? And then when I read the right (laughs) page, I'm like, oh, so then I have to go back and reread it. And that is like the only negative I had is just the layout. Sometimes in comic books, you have to be really careful with that layout because it can be very confusing if you don't follow like the bubbles and you don't follow the conversation. And I struggle with this all the time where I'm always having to reread stuff because I get lost with the boxes because they do that. So I totally didn't know what you're saying. I understand. <laughs> I understand where you're coming from. And I don't think this is a problem that's just like exclusive to this book. No, definitely I, not. I, I do uh, run into this sometimes with other books where the sequencing does change like that. Yeah. And you don't know exactly where to go while reading. And sometimes you're like, well, I'm just so um, used to reading one page than the next page. And, you, and then you go down and you're like, well, that doesn't make sense to what that person just said. So I guess I'm supposed to read side to side instead of up and down. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of times you can catch that by the the overlap a little bit. I don't, 
in this book, sometimes it's not super obvious that it happened. You kind of got to look like, okay, well, this is the next box I have to read here. But I've run into that myself. I I totally understand what you're saying. I think it's like an attempt to make it more cinematic. Yeah. And like not so formulaic comic booky and like just kind of mix it up. But uh, no, I get what you're saying. And it 100% could just be the trades because they're bigger. And I'm mm. not like, I haven't really like broken the crease on the spine or anything. So it's not like I'm ripping the whole thing open to lay it flat. I'm kind of sure. trying to take care of it a little bit. Yeah. Where I think if I, you know, on a, on a you know, single issue, it's going to lay flat open for you and it's going to be not as obvious, but the trades I struggled with it just because I wasn't ripping the thing open and I, I didn't want to crease the spine. So that's my problem with reading trades in general. I try to keep them nice, but even as I'm reading, I'm like, I'm breaking the spine right now. Yeah. <laughs> like I think that is probably why I prefer single issues anyway. Yeah. Uh, just cause you can, they can take a little bit more of a beating, but uh, no dude, totally, uh, totally fair criticism. I would say that just like as a broad statement to all comic books, like make it obvious when you want us to read uh, side to side instead of, page to page yeah uh, i've been reading for a long time and i you know yeah <laughs> i'm used to going page to page i feel you i feel you but um other than that i don't think there's many i don't think there's many criticisms i would have of this book i really i'm really digging it um i think it's cool to get into like a horror comic i don't know what horror comics mean to you but I, I, I like that they break up kind of the monotony of when people think of comic books, they're like, well, superheroes and capes and Spider-Man and Batman. Um, but there's a lot of stuff out there that um, I think horror comics really have a place and have a place with me that I just like reading them. It's like being scared in a different way. You yeah. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's not it's not the same as watching a movie where like you're being told the scary parts because there's a, a jump jump scare or like music, the music yeah. is loud. Um, I just kind of like books that are identify as horror comics just because of like the imagery and, you know, sometimes, especially in this book, like the shock factor, like this book is definitely not going to be for everyone. If you're squeamish about some things um, because dude, it's right there in the title. Something is killing the children. So let me be clear. Children die in this book. In in the um, first couple of pages. In very, like, in some brutal ways. Um, So horror can kind of be like an image that's disturbing. So as if you're, if you're identifying horror as disturbing images, like this is the book for you. Um, And you're going to probably like it, even though it's twisted and, and crazy in that way. Yeah. So, so just like, what do you think of like the horror aspect of it? Is it, is it scary to you or is it just not even scary, but just like, is it hitting you with like those visceral feelings of a, of what a reading a horror book or a horror comic or watching a horror movie would do? Oh yeah, absolutely. Cause like you said, it's still the shock factor. And especially with the comics, you don't have that anticipation that build up where you can sense it coming. So all of a sudden you're just like, Whoa, they just cut that dude's throat. And I wasn't expecting that. And just kind of having that, like you said, that anticipation, but in a different way. So you get the shock, shock hits you a little bit harder in many ways when you're really kind of reading it and you're really seeing where they're going with the story. And then all of a sudden you just flip the page and you just see this dude getting his throat slit. I know they did that in this book, which I can't remember the the cop's name, but when the, uh, the house of slaughter shows up to, uh, to Mm -hmm. stop him. And I wasn't expecting that dude to get his throat slit and that kind of threw me off and, you know, it was just yeah. moments like that, but yeah, definitely. And then the violence towards the children, you know, obviously you're just kind of sitting there like, how are they going to adapt this thing? You know, where it's well, yeah. kind of crazy. We're going to talk about the adaptation, which is coming, uh, I'm sure. But I was definitely thinking that too, while reading this, like, okay, they're, they're literally showing children being ripped in half yeah, and like, um, you know, stuff laying around, like you don't, you don't do that on television or on Netflix or even on HBO. Like they kind of, eh, we shy away from that, which is one thing that kind of makes me nervous about the adaptation is, is it going to do the comic justice? Is it going to have to be toned down in certain ways? I'm sure it's going to have to be toned down in certain ways. Like they may do a lot of off camera things and not as blatant right in front of your face. Um, but yeah, we're going to definitely have to see, cause there's, there's images in this book that are disturbing. Um, yeah to say the least well it'll definitely be toned down but 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's always, it, I mean, everything's has, always toned down. You take it from book. I mean, even superhero comics in many ways are toned down um, versus their movie counterparts. I mean, there's a lot of comic books that are a lot darker. And I mean, even some Batmans, you know, I mean, there are Batman comics that are darker than any of the movies we've gotten. So yeah, for sure. There's, there's there. And there's but also yeah. like, there's also like new boundaries though, that have been pushed over the past few years with like game of Thrones and Deadpool and all those things were, so they're They're probably going to try to push as much limit as they can, I would say, but uh, we'll find out. That's a story for another time. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll definitely be talking more about that, but I back to your question. Yeah. The horror I think works really great. And I'm with you. I love reading horror comics. I have several that I'm going through. Um, I love that just something different and just a different mm. way to get some type of a horror story. And a lot of times it ends up being a way more original story that wouldn't make it on TV. I'm also reading Philadelphia right now. And that one's in a hiatus as well, but that has a story that's so insane that it wouldn't be anywhere, you know, like you can't adapt that and there's no way that it works in any other medium, but it works perfect in this comic book. And that's just the best thing about comics when you go off the beaten path a little bit is you just find stories that you would never find in other ways and ways that they can get away with it because they're in their little corner and they're not being scrutinized by the public and they're not, they can just kind of do their thing. I mean, something is killing a children if they tried to stride this as a show first. Just that yeah. title alone, would that have ever made it? No. Right, right, right. You know, but you can start it as a comic and it turns it into something and then you can do more. So I love horror comics and sci-fi comics and just to really get the out there mm -hmm. stories that just don't make it. There's so much more original. Yeah, totally. And I think the the best way the horror is conveyed in this book is, you know, you have the the written word there, which is great. But I think the way that Werther Deladera is kind of um, expressing it, it with his art is perfect. I think he's a, he's a, he's an artist where if you see his work, it's not, it's not like a, a reading a Marvel or DC book. He has really more of a distinct style that I think fits this story. Well, um, yeah he he kind of like blurs his lines and is is you know you're going through things and you're not sure exactly what you're seeing but you can still tell how you know visceral he wants it to be and and the the blood and the lines and the action movements are definitely something you wouldn't see in a spider-man or a superman book you know this is perfect for this kind of book so i think he's really killing it like them combined they're they're writing a perfect it's like a perfect pairing for this book no, it really is. And I was going to say very similarly that it's it's very raw in the style. Yeah. You know, it's not polished. It's not. It's like the story. You know, it's like you said, visceral. So you, you just have that style that it, yeah, it just works with the story so well. And it was one of the things that kind of threw me off when I switched over to House of Slaughter because the artist is obviously different. A and, little different, uh, right? I, I know what you're saying, though. It's like it's similar enough that you can still imagine it being in the same world, but you can definitely tell the, the differences. It's, um, it's more like retro comic-y. It still looks good, but it has like a, it's cleaner and it has mm -hmm. more of a, like a retro superhero style. Like, you know, it's very, it's detailed, like in the body types and stuff where something's mm -hmm. killing the children is a lot more cartoony in a way. Sure. Um, so it threw me off a little bit when it works for the story that they're telling in that book, but yeah. It was jarring. I agree. I agree. And I like I like the way that Werther also is drawing Erica Slaughter the most. Yeah. Um, the way he draws her, just like facial expressions and the eyes and the way she kind of delivers lines is perfect. And I guess that kind of brings us to Erica. You can't have a good comic book if you don't have a uh super strong protagonist and main character. And dude, she's one of the coolest characters in comics to me right now. Yeah, with um, the coolest name with the coolest name absolutely uh but dude she's just like a combination of a of a warrior and she's a detective and um you know she's also you know cares about these children and i don't know she's complex and mysterious and we still don't have the full story on her i think she's fantastic what, what do you think about erica yeah slaughter? yeah erica slaughter is just badass and the like you said she cares and she's trying to help and the idea of that character in that world. And that was one of the things, usually I hate prequels or I hate going back into the past. Like I want to move the story forward. So when they ended the third arc with them getting on a bus and leaving, 
Archer's Peak, I was like, oh. And then I started the fourth one, like, where are they going? What's happening? And then all of a sudden it was just like, oh, we're going back to when Erica was found and joined the House of Slaughter and, you know, the, mm-hmm. the Order of George and all that stuff. And I was like, oh, oh, well, this is still cool. And I loved like all of that, even though I was initially like, oh, we're doing a prequel, huh? But then mm-hmm. it was so much information that I wanted from the first 15 issues, you know, where I'm like, oh, yeah. how did she get here? Where did she come from? What is this order? What's going on? And to learn that hierarchy and all of that story was awesome. And I just loved seeing where she came from. I'm ready for more of that, even though I know 21 is bringing her back and we're moving on, but it was- Yeah, I, mean, I wasn't sure. Her, yeah. yeah. I wasn't sure if we were moving on or not, if they were going to keep doing uh, some more origin stuff, but they'll probably get back to that eventually. I'm sure this book has a long run ahead of it, but uh, yeah, I'm totally with you. I I liked um, all the introductions of kind of like the more we got into this book, the more we got introduced to the, to the house of slaughter and the order of St. George and all that stuff is really intriguing to me, like that hierarchy and the setup and, you know, you got the guy who's the dragon and he's like in charge. And, and then I loved when they broke down the casts of the entire family. Like, well, these are the red masks. They're the, they're the like basically servants. They'll make your beds and they'll do this and that, but they kind of look over us and make sure we're ready to go. Then you got the blue masks who are like the bookkeepers and they're the ones watching over the lives. And then you've got the black masks who is like Erica and Aaron um, who Aaron is the protagonist of house of slaughter. And he's mm-hmm. also in something is killing the children, but they're black masks. And they're like, Oh, these are like the solo hunters. They refer to them as the Swiss army knives of the, whatever kind of like the least appreciated, but do the most work. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I really like that. Then you got the white masks who is Cecilia, who we were introduced to, who's kind of like the bitch <laughs> of the book. Um, but they're like pack hunters and they hunt the big monsters. Uh, and I think there was two more, the silver masks, I thought it was cool. They said so they hunt not monsters, but more like humanized mm-hmm. uh, monsters, like vampires and werewolves. And I was like, oh man, we might get some vampire werewolf stuff going. And then the last group was the emeralds. And it was like, he was just real quick about it. He was like, uh, these are the most dangerous hunters in the house of slaughter. They hunt dragons. I was like, dragons, right? We might get right. some dragons. Um, so yeah, dude, I love, I just love world building like that and learning it's like playing a final fantasy game or, or watching game of Thrones, like learning this group in this house. I, they're really building like a complex world that I think they can really go a lot of different ways with. So all that is great to me. Yeah. And it was cool to see Aaron kind of make a comeback in the back half and get his own book and house of slaughter being all kind of like a prequel story since Aaron didn't make it through. And I had to go yeah. back and read too. Cause I'm like, I remember Aaron in the book, but I'm like, where, uh, he didn't make it very long. And yeah, he didn't. <laughs> so no. And that's, that's one thing I was going to bring up too. like Aaron was introduced kind of as like the closest person to her in the order, even though they jab at each other. Yeah. And like have that weird confrontational relationship. But then ish, then the fourth arc kind of showed, you know, they kind of came up together and they do have a love between each other, Aaron and Erica. Yeah. But then, but then they killed him so fast like in the book and i i seriously sit here and wonder like do you think tinian is going to regret killing aaron so fast um because it felt like there was more to tell with him in Mm -hmm. with erica now i know he has his own book going now house of slaughter where it's like kind of his origin and backstory and you can tell they're going to work with him there but it's like oh man i would have liked to see more with them together um I don't know. And I think we'll get more of them together in this book because obviously Erica's in House of Slaughter as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not about, at least this first arc isn't about her, but she's been in it already as a younger. So I think this is their way to continue her story. Yeah. Along with Aaron. But yeah, I think there are definitely missed opportunities for more future stuff that they could do together as you learn more about Aaron and who he is and what he, where he is in the order and all that stuff. So, I mean, of course, I think he's going to regret it. And probably House of Slaughter is probably a little bit of a retcon just to do that. And who knows? I mean, worlds with dragons and monsters, who knows if they can't bring him back one way or another. Comic book characters always have the um, chance, the high chance of being resurrected in some way. So you never know. I mean, they're they're Uh, trapping monsters and stuffed animals. So why can't, yeah, why can't, you know, Aaron get put, right yeah we'll we'll definitely see i don't know um 
but yeah, I like I like all the characters. I think there's a lot of fun characters, like maybe introduced to Jesse and Aaron, and like I said, uh, Cecilia and the dragon is very mysterious, like the the guy who's the head of the of the organization. So yeah, man, we got a lot of lot of lot of ground to cover here moving forward, and I don't know. Well, and that's what's fun is that there's so many different directions you can go because there's so many different characters. Um, that that little girl Bian, she lived right. Yeah, she's she should be still alive. She, she was like one of the survivors of the the monster, the mother monster. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah, I remembered her. I couldn't. I was just trying to remember her fate. But as they were leaving, if she gets left behind, then she might be done. But um, but yeah, once you introduce all these characters, Jessica and everybody coming from in from the order, I think all of that's going to be. Like I said, a lot of cool ways that you can go um, with James teaming up with uh, Erica and taking mm-hmm. off. Do you, where do you think they go? Yeah, that's the question now, because it seems like the Archer's Peak um, story might be kind of over. Mm-hmm. So they are moving on. Uh, they kind of left it to the end um, where Erica throughout the entire book, she's kind of been against this order and like has a different way of thinking about things than they do because their whole thing is they want to keep the secret of monster secret from the world that's their main thing they care about Mm -hmm. if they save children along the way that's just part of it but the main objective of this group is to keep monsters a secret from the world well erica's thing is she just wants to save people she doesn't care who knows. I mean, she, she's telling all these secrets to James and beyond and everybody because she's just more worried about their lives. Yeah. And that's what the group has a problem with. So, you know, when she, when she met the leader at the end, as she's leaving town, he's like, you know, you still are undisciplined and this and that. And she's like, screw it. I quit. And he was like, no, that's not acceptable. And she, and she basically said like, I dare you to stop me. Yeah. So now as we're moving forward is, um, you know, she wants to continue killing monsters, but on her own, she wants to break away from the group. So moving forward, are they coming after her? Now does she have to worry about the house of slaughter and the order of St. George and monsters? And what's James's fate? Is he, is she going to finally decide to to train him to do what she does? Yeah. She's she's got to, I mean, yeah, she's been reluctant to do that so far or want to do that. But is he like her new apprentice, the way she was with Jessica? Uh, There's a lot of things they can do uh, moving forward. So I'm excited about it. So yeah, go find some new monsters in a new town and exactly find some more chaos. And I just really excited, excited to see. Yeah. Where it goes and how they get there. Cause I know it's not just going to be a rehash of what we just saw, you know, it's going to be more of a complicated town. Is it going to be a bigger a big problem? City. Yeah. yeah like a big... a big city or a cult or something, uh-huh. <laughs> find something that's a little bit harder to get into or something. It just can be super super cool and i i thought it was really interesting how they were talking about how the children were the ones creating the monsters Mm -hmm. i thought that was a really cool way to do the monsters i mean there's obviously been movies and stories before of kids being the only ones to see monsters and doing that but i thought the idea that they were creating them and bringing them to life to the point where they could actually harm you harm you and harm adults it wasn't like the adults, they were just walking around the adults. They would kill the adults and the adults would just see someone getting shredded by nothing in midair, you know? So I, that was just so cool when those yeah. monsters showed up in that school parking lot and decided just to rip everybody up. And people just yeah. saw all the adults just saw floating bodies. And that was just crazy. Yeah, man. I can't wait to see what that looks like uh, as an adaptation. Yeah. And yeah. And as you took the words out of my mouth, as we did talk a little bit earlier, they are working on or they didn't announce a adaptation over at Netflix with Mike Flanagan, who did uh, the House on Haunted Hill, House on Bly Manor and Midnight Mass, which we did talk about in our best of 2021 episode, because Midnight Mass was awesome. And if you haven't watched it, you should go check it out, especially if you're digging this conversation. Mm. Go check that one out because that one is crazy as well. But I'm really pumped for this show, even if they're going to tone it down, even if they're going to do anything. I said, Midnight Mass gave me a lot of, put a lot of stock in Mike Flanagan's yeah. piggy bank for me, whatever that means. Um, very excited for that. So the idea of him doing this story and just the way he shoots things and the way that he tells stories and he's not afraid to go a little bit dark does give me hope. And being on Netflix, I mean, this can be their next Stranger yeah. Things, which I'm sure is what they want it to be. 
Very, very possibly. And yeah, Flanagan showed us what he can do, especially at the end of Midnight Mass. That show got wild and crazy. So I wouldn't put him past them for doing going wild and crazy with this story. There's the opportunity to go that crazy with this. Um, so yeah, that'll that's going to be a lot of fun. Really, I'm really anticipating that. He's working with his uh, partner who made, they made Dr. Sleep together. So, you know, these, these are horror, horror experts, if you want to say. Um, so really looking forward to that. I've, I've already got thinking in my mind who should play Eric Slaughter. Uh, my top pick, I know they're not going to do it because she's just been featured in like comic book stuff. But man, just imagine um, Florence Pugh as Erica Slaughter. That would be amazing to me. I don't think they're going to do it because she's like Yelena in people's mind and she's just now playing an action star. They're going to go back to that well for her so quickly. And she probably wouldn't want to do it because, you know, she just is getting off yeah. of playing Yelena. She probably wants to do other things. I think she'd be great at that, but that's just like the first person that popped in my mind. I was like, oh, that'd be great. Um, my first one was Emma Stone. Emma Stone. Oh, yeah. Ooh, I can see got that. She's got the eyes. Yep. She has, she has <laughs> she's the look. Got the eyes. Yeah, she's got the look. She's got the eyes. She did a couple of Zombieland movies, so she's not new to yeah. that kind of genre or that kind of like setup. So I think it could be a, it could be a good character for her. That would be for, in a lot of reasons, a lot of ways it would be out of the norm, especially at least yeah. lately that it could be a lot of fun to see like a transformation like that and see her go through a lot of that. And she could bring some depth to that. I think that could be really cool, but yeah, she has the eyes that I think are probably what put her in my They'd head. Be looking for. I definitely bet. You, I honestly, now that you mentioned that I, she's probably in their mind too. Like let's, let's give old Emma's agent a ring and see if she might be interested in this, get her reading the book. Cause she could definitely pull it off. She's got like that dry delivery too. I could see, yep. um, I could see definitely air, like an Erica slaughter in her. So that'd be, that'd be interesting. It'd be cool. Don't, I don't see either one happening, but. So I'm sure it'll be some no name we've never heard of, which is fine too. I'm cool with that. But just, you know, when you're fan casting, you, you gotta hit those celebrity names. You got, I mean, that's all we know. I can't just yeah. be like, Oh, I really think it should be uh Jillian. Phillips. Yeah. Yeah. Jillian Phillips. <laughs> well, who's that? Oh, she's this girl that goes to my school. Like, <laughs> all right, cool. She's this girl at my work. All right. She yeah. looks like Erica Slot. She looks exactly like I keep asking her and she keeps telling me I'm not reading that book. Chris, stop talking about it. And she keeps telling me to leave her alone or she's talking to HR about me. <laughs> yeah. But I think she would be great. Um, that is not uh, how fan casting works. No, no, not at all. But overall, I don't know, man. Overall, I, I love this book. I think it's uh, something that is there for, there's something there for everybody. Maybe not even everybody, but if you're interested in horror and just like good art and good storytelling and simplistic, not too complicated, easy to follow, the nice tight 20 issues. Like I said, I read them all in 48 hours. So yeah, great book. Check it out. If you haven't, if, if you haven't, and you're listening to us, you're very brave because we just spoil a lot of it for you. But um, if you're like us and you love this book, definitely. Uh, I'm sure you're ex as excited for the future of it as we are. Yeah. And I'm sure this won't be the last time we talk about it. And you know what? Yeah. We might've spoiled some stuff, but out of context, you could probably, you could still easily jump in this book and enjoy it just as much sure. as we are. So definitely uh, hit us up over on Twitter, join that conversation. Let us know what you think of something is killing the children and even house of slaughter, um, which is currently in its first arc, which is I, my opinion so far, just as good. It's a little bit different storytelling, a little bit different story, but it's definitely uh a good read as well. So definitely jump into that if you have been hesitant. Don wanted to wrap up this week talking about you finally jumped into the Guardians of the Galaxy video game. You got it for Christmas. I'm, mm -hmm. I think we're roughly around the same point. You might have passed me up, but we've done the first handful of chapters of the game. So we want to just give some first impressions because we did talk about this and we had some people um, tweet in saying that this was one of their favorite games of the year. Um, last year so we just wanted to make sure to throw it out there so thank you guys for tweeting that to us and letting us know putting it on our radar so we could jump into this game a little heavier and see what we've been missing yes man we definitely uh heard from a couple people on our uh best of when we did that little twitter poll we got a couple guardians of the galaxy saying game of the year favorite game of the year so I mean, we both wanted to check it out just being fans of the movie and Marvel and the characters. So we both finally have. Um, I just couldn't pay full price. I needed to. Yeah. It. I mean, it doesn't get any cheaper than a Christmas gift. So I didn't pay a dime. 
So that's <laughs> unless your wife me. bought it for you and then still no, kinda... no, no. <laughs> yeah, right. This was a sister gift. Yeah. But um yeah, man, I'm having fun with it, but it's also dragging a little bit to me. How far there's are things you? there's things I like and there's things I don't like about yep. this game. I think I've just hit chapter four. Okay. Or uh, about to start chapter four. I just completed chapter four. I'm not sure. So I've kind of like played through the beginning and the introductions and, you know, that little, that little adjustment period where you got to learn the buttons and learn the stuff. Everything still isn't super clear to me when it comes to um, combat. Like some of it is still, I'm still like, well, I'm just kind of pressing these buttons and, and this, this game is not multiplayer. You control star Lord, but you're basically running around doing all these fights with computer controlled other members of the guardians of the galaxy. And there's options to use, uh, you know, Drax, Gamora, Rocket, Groot, everyone, you know, um, there's there's just times during the fights where it's like, OK, I guess I'm just going to call in the Guardians and see what, what they do. And like, I don't know if what I'm doing is like so I'm supposed to be doing that in that moment. I'm just kind of like free, free balling it and like just, <laughs> just trying to just trying to live and like dodge around and shoot the guns and the 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 guns don't feel like they're super doing anything like they feel kind of weak to me uh-huh. like star lord's lasers i just i don't know the, the combat to me is a little just like all over the place mm-hmm. because i don't i'm not like good enough yet at flowing yeah. you know i talked about horizon zero dawn like once i started getting the combat and it flowed and i felt in control that's when I started having fun. Like I still don't feel in control of the combat yet, uh, which makes it a little, you know, weird. I, I like where the story is going. I like that. It's like an original guardians of the galaxy story and not just like a retread of something we already saw in one of the movies. Yeah. So that part is cool. Um, not a huge fan of the voice acting. Just maybe that's just because I have in my head what they're supposed to sound like in the movies, but just like Drax to me is the worst. <laughs> I don't know. He just doesn't sound right uh rocket sounds fine they all whatever but that's just a like a small complaint so i mean i'm having fun i can see where it's a fun game i like i like the spaceness of it and their banter between each other like kind of annoys me a little bit because it's too much it's nonstop. it's constant 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 like i get it they're supposed to be like this ragtag needle each other give each other shit the whole time but it's like oh god shut up like we get it (laughs) you don't like each other or you're joking about not liking each other but it's just like nonstop. So I don't know. I'm having fun, but I'm still a little weary about it, if that makes sense. Yes, I agree with okay. you on the, I mean, the presentation is outstanding. The, I mean, really the gameplay is smooth. I've gotten a little bit, I at least have figured out a scheme with the fighting. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's right. I just kind of keep spamming the same thing, like the same buttons. And I kind of, I don't know if I'm doing it right, but I agree with you that, you know, his lasers seem a little weak. So I don't really know. So I, I have a strategy, but I don't know if it's right. I feel like there's I'm missing a step. It was kind of like playing Final Fantasy VII, the remake, where mm-hmm. I was like, I know I'm doing this battle. Like, I'm winning these battles, but I feel like I'm missing something. Like, I'm not doing something right. And playing right. through that game the second time, I started to grasp a little bit more of the idea. I mean, I was almost through that whole game before I realized that blocking would fill up my bar so I can attack. Mm-hmm. And I so I was never blocking. I was just mashing on buttons. So anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I agree with you on that. And the biggest, my, I guess my biggest thing with it is it does drag. And what's crazy is I'm, I'm because I think I'm a chapter four or five somewhere in there. And I was already looking up like how, ch- how many chapters is this game? It can't be that much longer. <laughs> it's like 18 yeah. chapters. And I'm like, oh my God. I was like, this, I don't know if I'm going to make Yeah. It. <laughs> I'm just sitting there like, this is already feels like it. And it feels like where I am, I feel like the story's just starting. Mm. Like whatever the big story is, is just kind of starting and they're introducing like the villain and what this game is about. So maybe it might take a shift at that point that I needed to do that, but it definitely needs to change up some game mechanics a little bit and some, give, give me something different than just running through these levels. You know, give me a flying level, give me a puzzle, give me something to do that's a little bit different than just running and gunning. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm enjoying it. A lot. I agree with you about the character models. This comes back to the Avengers problem where we know all these characters and you made all of them look extremely similar to their movie counterparts, but not be. So then it's jarring when you're looking at that them and they're not who you think they should be. I don't mind these ones. I do wish that they didn't go so heavy with the style of the James Gunn MCU 
movies because i mean guardians of the galaxy wasn't always just 80s music, music. and right. things um i love the soundtrack for the game and that they have all these licensed songs in there and all of that's super cool but it's just like it's like too many steps similar to mcu it's like well if you're then just make the mcu just give us all right if you were gonna make it yeah, if you were going to make it this close to the MCU, which it is, oh, because yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy comic books before that movie, I'm sure weren't this like, you know, they weren't that way. They weren't yeah. super into 80s music and, and stuff like that, like this is. Um, so, yeah, definitely. they. It's like they want it to be the MCU game, but then at the same time, they don't. Yeah. So they made them look different and sound different in a new adventure, but it still has all the same themes of the movie. I totally agree with you there. But it is still 110% better than the Avengers. Yeah. And sure. I don't know why this game exists and the Avengers exists. Was this like a reaction to the Avengers that no one wanted a live service game? So they said, Oh shit, we got to, what else do we have rights to? Well, instead of putting guardians of the galaxy in Avengers, let's, let's spin them off into their own thing because there's mm -hmm. a lot of similarities in just controls and some of the things that, it feels like it's the same models, you know, a little yeah. bit. So I'm like, did they just kind of decide they needed to U-turn this and do the single player game that everybody wanted, but just give it as Guardians? Because it just seems like if anything, Guardians of the Galaxy should have been the live service and Avengers should, be, you know, it's just, I don't know. It's just really weird that this game exists. See, I'm in the middle ground of like solo campaign and live service. Like I just like co-op games that aren't, necessarily live service like this the the campaign for avengers i liked that oh yeah that week, it was fun you know um and if they could have figured out a way to make that campaign like you can co-op the campaign together i would love that like if they could do a co-op campaign here but then they got to go crazy with nowadays you know the live service stuff and they want games to last forever forever so they can get micro micro transactions and people just keep paying for the same game they've already bought um but they didn't go that route here. So I, I agree this, this easily could have been some kind of live service or multiplayer game, but they decided to keep it single player. It's, it sucks. Cause we did want to play this game together if there was a way to do that. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm, and I'm glad that this one's solo over live service, but they were so close and have just this perfect idea that they could have done a four player co-op game and just don't just refrain from making a live service. Just make it that, all your friends have to have the game and let us team up and play as multiple people. Because if you and I could yeah. run through this campaign, yeah, I think we'd have a lot of fun. It seems like a step that companies are skipping now. They don't want to do that. They want to go full out crazy live service to, you know, keep making that money. Yeah. So. They, just, they, 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 they don't make money. Co-op. Yeah. You and I both bought the game. They got that money. They, they want to, how would they get more money out of us? Exactly. Capitalism. <laughs> Yeah, so it's just really weird for that. But overall, I can definitely see the appeal for this game. I'm excited to see where it goes. But yeah, the dragging aspect, it still hasn't become something that I'm just like, oh, I got to play more Guardians. I've been I've been easily like I played Max Payne last weekend and like I'm very easily swayed to play something else and not jump back into Guardians. And I think that's just because of the opening. So I'm hoping getting past the opening is going to speed things along to where I'm excited to play it. And maybe some of the chapters get maybe a little shorter, just to, there's going to be 18 of them. My thing I'm thinking right now is just, this is my placeholder until horizon comes out at the end of February. <laughs> and uh, if we're, if me and you aren't playing Warzone or warframe, then mm -hmm. I'll play guardians of the galaxy and try to enjoy it as much as possible. But um, yeah. yeah, and that's, that's been my thought is that, okay, I got to get through this game before horizon comes out because I ain't playing it after. So, <laughs> and if I do, it's going to be a long time. Yeah, so I got two weeks to try yeah. to see how far I can get into this game. So hopefully, uh, hopefully my my shopping spree last week on the Xbox Marketplace, where I bought like eight Xbox 360 games, doesn't uh, get in the way. I'm sure it won't. Yeah, sarcasm. As I've already been playing Max Payne games because I bought the yeah. whole trilogy because I don't know, I have a problem. You have a real problem, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, since we were talking about Guardians of the Galaxy. We have to bring up volume three, James Gunn's working on it. Now we talked about him a lot last week talking about Peacemaker. So definitely check that one out. But volume three, he did, James Gunn, that is, said that this is going to be the last 
of this MCU team, this version, the last real movie. I don't see him making a four. And I know that's been echoed with the actors over the last couple of years. I mean, the, the firing of James Gunn didn't go down the smoothest for most of that cast. Um, Especially old Dave. He hated it. Yeah, he hated that. And he seems to be almost just doing volume three because he's contracted to do it. Even though they brought James Gunn back, he seems like he's like, nope, I'm done. I'm good. Mm. So how does that make you feel? You, you ready for this team to be done? Has it been too long since volume two anyway, that it's just like, ugh. um, yeah. When I saw this announcement, I read it and I saw some people reacting like, oh no. But my whole thing is, I figured this was the last of it. Um, it's kind of feels like it already, it's run its course. I know that we have the holiday special next Christmas before that movie. So, I mean, you get another little thing with them too, but I kind of expected volume three to be the, be the end. It's just, these things seem to go in threes trilogies for yeah. movies. You know what I mean? Uh, Marvel hasn't ever really extended themselves to a four yet. I know there's a captain America four eventually, but that's a whole different thing. Cause it's, um, Sam, you know, it's going to be Sam's cast. So it's almost like this. Well, Thor. Yeah, I guess he's the Thor. first one to get a four. Thor will be the first one, but up until now, yeah, we haven't really gone there. And I think, um, I think even Thor four is simply a result of how successful they thought three was. And that was, uh, Taika Waititi's first one. So like, Oh, we got to give this guy another shot at this. This is great. That's why they're making Thor four, but, um, Thor four. Thor four, Thor four, but uh, yeah, dude. So I kind of expected this to be the case and it's cool with me. Like I'd like to see a bookend to the series, wrap it up. Uh, you know, guardians 100%. of the galaxy volume one is probably in my top five Marvel movies and volume two is not a bad movie either. So to see him kind of wrap it up, but just to know that it is the end, it's like, well, now you got to expect anything like, characters you love can die or or something you know even though gamora already is dead i guess even though she's still exists in the mcu because she was brought back during infinity war endgame like a version of her from before so i'm sure they're all going to be there but you know who knows who's going to survive who's going to make it it should be uh you know and and james gunn has showed us recently with peacemaker and suicide squad he can do heartbreak too pretty good yeah so you know he will not be afraid of breaking people's hearts with that movie so I'm excited for it. I've always yeah. been excited for it, you know? Yeah, so it we'll makes see. it more exciting a little bit knowing that anything can happen. Yeah. And just that unpredictability, I think, kind of gets me, you know, gets me looking a little bit more open in my eyes, like, going, okay, I see you. I see you, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. Going to do mm -hmm. something I don't expect, and that's always fun because we don't always get that in these movies. So uh, James right. Gunn does seem like the type who can bring that, as you said. So, I, yeah, I... Figured that was the case, especially with how, like, as you said, Big Dave was very, has been very vocal about this project and seemed ready. So I would not be surprised to see the end of Drax and them doing that in a heartbreakingly hilarious way, as that yeah, character if, really seems to be, seem to be the breakout of this. I mean, if Disney had their way, they'd be like, you're killing Batista in the first 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, James is like, no, but uh, yeah, he, he, he's been very vocal. So it, it doesn't surprise me him or any other actors. Actors usually don't want to get typecast into a role and make too many movies. You know, you got to know when's the right time to end it. So a, a volume three, I think would probably be a good, good way to say, you know, I'll put a cap on the, on the franchise. hundred percent. It's crazy how many of those actors, and actresses kind of like made a career from Guardians of the Galaxy. And by the time this series is over, because it's taken so long to get to this third one, so many of them are already done with their careers. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, Chris Pratt. I mean, what does he do? I mean, he's got a couple movies, but is his, I mean, is he really worth as much as he was right after the first volume? I mean, I mean, I don't know. He, does he he's... still sell movies? Well, they got another Jurassic Park coming out, don't they? Yeah. I mean, uh, they, I, I understand. He just, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. me, and to me it was like yeah. everything i was like chris pratt's awesome and then very quickly it was just all right i'm tired of this dude yeah now he makes like the tomorrow war on amazon which was like yeah. one of the worst rated movies ever uh worst reviewed movies ever but yeah i don't know it's just funny in that way where i can't imagine what what they'll be in another couple of years whenever this one comes out but that's just a funny little thing i thought about <laughs> there you go 
All right. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. So make sure you like, follow, subscribe, tell your friends, all those things I said in the beginning, make sure you hit <laughs> that up for Raise the Geek. I'm Chris. And I'm done. And thanks for checking out the show where geek is all we speak.